0: Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon and be blessed.
1: I am so excited to be back with you this morning. Our family um, took a vacation uh, that uh, my wife had been wanting to take. For some time and she had been planning for for some time and uh, to be back with you this morning is it is so exciting to me Uh, this is um, I'll say this and it sounds like so cliche ish uh, but I truly mean it Uh, I love being here with you on Sunday morning and there are a few other places that I would rather be than here with you at Whitechapel Church on Sunday morning Uh, We had the privilege of worshiping, though, last Sunday with the Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, and uh, Jim Cimbala preached an amazing message. And so um, I was gone last week. Pastor Brooke preached an amazing message. Uh, We watched uh, Pastor Brooke uh, after And uh, the blessing we have as this congregation of having Pastor Brooke on staff, an amazing communicator of the gospel, as well as Pastor Jordan and and, an amazing team that they are, as well as all of our staff. We are blessed as a congregation, and I am blessed to be a part of this congregation, uh, this refuge of grace that God has for us. There are just a couple of things that I want to point out um, before... um, We dive into Acts chapter 13 this morning, so if you have your Bible, if you want to go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 13, uh, one is something that I'm very excited about, and we're calling it growth track. Uh, If you are new to Whitechapel Church, you haven't been here um, an extremely long time, or you've been here and you're not plugged in and you're not familiar uh, with all the ministries of Whitechapel Church, and you're not familiar with the spiritual giftedness that God is giving to you and how that fits here at Whitechapel Church, then we are doing a class. It's just three Sundays. It's going to be after church on Sunday morning. The best part is um, we will have lunch on those Sundays, Um, but that is going to take place on April 16th, 23rd, and 30th, and so that'll start the week after Easter, and so we've got about four weeks now, but I want to encourage you to sign up for that. It's not only an introduction to Whitechapel Church, but it also allows you to discover your design and the giftedness that God has given to you, and there's a few ways that you can sign up. One is there is a sign-up sheet at the welcome table out in the lobby, and so if you want to sign up back there, you can do that. But the other way, and this is the way that I encourage you to do it, if you get our church newsletter, there will be a link on there that you can click that link and then you can sign up digitally right there. And if all of that you've forgotten about, you can always put it on the back of the connection card, and we'll make sure that you get signed up for that class. Um, but I want to encourage you, if you're if you're new to Whitechapel Church, you want to get involved, you're not sure about your spiritual giftedness or the design of why God made you the way that he made you, I want you to be a part of this class. It's not going to last long on those Sundays, uh, but we'll have lunch, spend some time together. I will be there um, leading our our church pastoral staff will be there. We're going to pull in our elders at various times as a part of this. So then that way you can become familiar with this refuge of grace and how you fit into this refuge of grace. Acts chapter 13. We're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. And I want to go back. We began this back in the first Sunday of September. And I figured that we would go a few months through Acts, um, and we're now uh, coming up on six months, and we're right at this turning point. But this is a key pivotal turning point. So if you remember when we began the book of Acts, one of the challenges, one of the commissions, or the commission, the great commission that Jesus actually gave... Uh, to those apostles, the disciples that were there, was that they were going to be the ones to spread the gospel. And I don't think that they caught the fullness of what Jesus was saying. And he went through some key places. And so when we began the book of Acts, there were those uh, following Jesus' commands of praying in the upper room. They were in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses. The key part of this is witnesses and you. This translates to us. And this is why it's important for you to discover the gifts, your design of who God actually made you to be. It was so awesome a few weeks ago in our community group. uh, We meet a group of parents. We meet on Wednesday night in our community group. We send all the kids off to youth. We uh, get together together. In uh, one of the uh, schoolrooms. It was so awesome the other night, and this happened by design of the Spirit. We just went around the room and God revealed the calling, the design of each person as each person in the group began saying, hey, this is what I see in you. This is how God has gifted you. And it was just a special God-ordained moment. So as a side note, if you're not in a community group, it's going to be harder for you to discover your design and your spiritual gifts. It's not impossible, but it's going to be harder for you. Because you need people around you that see you for who God made you to be opposed to the lies of the enemy that he wants to speak over you. You have to have people on your journey with Christ that can call out the things and speak the things of God over your life. And so you've got to get those types of people around you. So you've got to be a part of holy community so that you can help discover your design and the giftedness. And so here in the early church, it starts out in Jerusalem. There's this holy community praying, as Jesus said. It starts in Jerusalem. Then we get to the second part of the book of Acts, and persecution comes. They didn't leave Jerusalem, and persecution comes, and they begin to scatter. Thousands are now, well over 10, 15,000 people are believers in Christ. They begin to scatter because of persecution in the second part of the book of Acts, and they get out to Judea, and they get into Samaria. That's as far as they get. But you remember Jesus' early command before he left was that they were going to go past Jerusalem. They were going to go past Judea. They were going to go past Samir. They were going to go to the ends of the earth. And now we get to the beginning of Acts chapter 13 and it begins to take place. We'll see this shift as we begin to read in Acts chapter 13. How it shifts from Peter, who began with that first message. And here we'll see Saul or the Apostle Paul actually begin to spread the gospel that goes all around the rest of the world. And so this is where the power comes and the beginning of the spread of the gospel, even to people just like us right here in South Daytona, Florida. But you know... Before we get into this, I just want to point out, it's very important when you begin a project that you have to have the right tools, right? If we wanted to build a road, we're not going to get, uh, if the, the, the road is ready to be laid, the foundation is already built, we would not go get a bunch of saws and hammers and start out banging on the ground out there and trying to saw the dirt. We would need to get the proper tools in order to build a road. Likewise, if there was a forest that we were going to tear down some trees, we would want to make sure that we had the right tools in order to cut down those trees. Probably going to make sure we have a chainsaw, maybe a handsaw. We're going to have several different tools for a variety of different jobs. It's very important that you have the right tools for the right job. And that is exactly true for us in this refuge of grace. We have to have the right tools. But even greater for the entire body of Jesus Christ, God has given us some tools that are vital for us that we need on our journey in this world exactly where God has placed us. You have to have the right tool and you have to know when to use the right tool. And so imagine how silly would it be for us to start out with the wrong tools and how prolonged it would be if we tackled the right job with the wrong tools. But you know, that's exactly what a lot of us do when it comes to our prayer life. We tackle the chore of prayer instead of the blessing that God intends for it to be for all of us. And then when we pray, we don't have a full set of tools. God has given us a very, very powerful tool that helps us align with Him that we're going to begin, or that we're going to see here in the book of Acts, of how it fulfilled, it began the fulfillment of Jesus' commission to the church to spread the gospel. So if you'll look with me in Acts chapter 13, let's take a look at this powerful tool that every one of us need in our prayer life to be who God desires for us to be. Acts 13, verse 1. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, Now, I want to pause here because these are some, this is a genealogy of genealogy. We're not necessarily genealogy, but uh, this is a list of lists of some amazing, powerful people that are here placed within the church. And we're going to see the calling that God has placed on their life actually begin to play out. These are some five, these are five amazing people that Luke is pointing out in his writing here in the book of Acts that are vital and powerful and well-known. And then in verse 2, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bargesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from their faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elamus and said, "'You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right.' You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So we'll stop there. We're going to pick up next week and see what else happens in this. But I want to go back to the first three verses of Acts chapter 13. And I want to read them again. Because before we get to really this miracle that is beginning to play out as the gospel spreads to the ends of the earth. It really begins by what's happening here at the beginning of Acts chapter 13. That is the powerful tool that God has given to every single one of us. Now remember, these five men who are listed here at the beginning of Acts chapter 13 are kind of the who's who of the day that is in this church. There's some key, vital people that are gifted, anointed of the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit. And so they're some main leaders of the early church. But what we're going to begin to see as we read this is the spread of the gospel. So let's go back and look again at Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now catch this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them out. So here we see these key leaders in the church worshiping and fasting. Now sometimes we pigeonhole worshiping to the few songs for 20 or so minutes that we sing here on Sunday morning. And we think that that is all that worshiping is. There are so many different ways that you can worship the Lord. You can worship the Lord through giving, You can worship the Lord through receiving the bread and the cup of elements. You can worship the Lord right in your job by serving with the giftedness that God has given to you. You can worship the Lord by serving in the greater body. You can worship the Lord just by being a steward with the gifts or the things that God has entrusted you with. There are so many different ways that you can worship the Lord. Now, chances are, the worshiping that is, that's talked about here in Acts chapter 13 probably involves some praise music, some worshiping the Lord with psalms and hymns and other spiritual songs. So here they're probably spending some time worshiping and praying, but then there's this other word that's thrown in here is kind of where I want to focus for just a few minutes that I believe is this powerful tool that we have to have. Luke said they were worshiping and fasting. These two put together are a dynamite and a match for your spiritual walk. And I want us to point out and catch this morning that these two are things that every one of us have to apply in our walk. Have you ever seen a a river where the dam is actually built. Maybe it's something even as simple as a dam that a beaver built. Or maybe it's something as huge as the Hoover Dam. A part of what that dam does is it blocks the flow of, or restricts the flow of water, so that then the water begins to back up. And I want to say something, and I want you to catch it with the spirit through which I'm saying it this morning. I think whenever we spend time worshiping, but we leave out fasting, what we have done is built a spiritual dam to what God wants to do in our lives, and sometimes those answers to prayer or those blessings that God has for us have been dammed and aren't able to flow by our lack of coupling worshiping and fasting together. But we have to have a true understanding of what fasting is. And so this is not a magical definition. It's just a simple definition of fasting. Fasting is just voluntarily going without food or any other regularly enjoyed good gift from God. Now, I said good gift from God here because I believe that everything that is good actually comes from God. And so it's not just food. Our food comes from God. That's why we pause to thank him before we receive that. But fasting is just going without food or any other regularly enjoyed good gift from God for the sake of a spiritual purpose. And if we leave out that bottom part for the sake of a spiritual purpose, all we're doing is just starving or sacrificing something of us. And that's why we have to see worshiping and fasting actually go together for a spiritual purpose in our life. And as we see the gospel begin to spread around the world, we see the key leaders of the church coupling worshiping and fasting together. And if you see what happened in verse 2, watch, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... (laughs) It was their actions of worshiping and fasting that paved the way with this tool that God has given to every one of us. It paved the way and made room for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak. And so imagine what the the delay of the gospel would have been like had these five key leaders at the beginning of Acts chapter 13 not been worshiping and fasting. Now God, in His foreknowledge and in His infinite wisdom, actually raised up these five here for this purpose to be able to spread the gospel. But just imagine what would have happened had that not taken place. How long would it have been delayed that the gospel would have been that the gospel would have spread? What if these five guys had built a spiritual dam to hold back the Holy Spirit speaking? God, I pray that we in this refuge of grace would never, would never take that role. And this is why I want to challenge you this week, and we'll talk about this at the very end this morning. This is why I want to challenge you this week, to spend some time worshiping and spend some time fasting. I want you to be just like these five leaders, these five vital people in the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth to spend some time with the Lord worshiping and fasting and tearing down that dam so that it makes way for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to every single one of us. God spoke here in Acts chapter 13 because he knew that these five men were serious about the kingdom of God. And we as his, as his body, we as his children, we as this refuge of grace must be serious about the kingdom of God. Because the power that Jesus demonstrated on the cross in the empty tomb and then through his ascension is a power that is available to us. And this is what these five were tapping into while they were worshiping and while they were praying. God spoke because he knew that they were serious. And we are the ones who must spend the time investing in worshiping in fasting to pave way for the Holy Spirit to make room for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak. Now listen, God can speak whenever he chooses, despite our actions, and despite, I'll say this about myself, despite my stupidity at times, God can do whatever he wants to do. And God has worked despite my stupidity. I won't pull anybody into this basket with me. God has moved in spite of my stupidity at times, because God is God, and he can do whatever he wants to do. But whenever we demonstrate to God that we are serious about our relationship with Him, and we are serious about being a refuge of grace, by worshiping and fasting, it gets the heart of God, and it paves way for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak. Because what happens is we stop focusing on the junk around us, and we start focusing on the mission of God. And that's what these five leaders were doing here in the beginning of Acts chapter 13. They weren't focused on issues that may, have, uh, that may have come up in the church. They knew about those things, and it weighed heavy on their heart, I'm sure. They weren't focused on where their next dollar was going to come from to be able to buy the things that they actually need. They weren't focused on their bank accounts. They weren't focused on the tax collectors. They weren't. Fo- they were aware of those issues, but that wasn't the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter in their worshiping and their fasting was, God, what is your desire for us? What are the steps that you want us to take so that we can be obedient in our relationship with you? And so to get God's attention, they spent time worshiping and fasting to pave way for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak. And what's so amazing, what's so amazing to me, is immediately, in verse 2 it says, While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit spoke God. The Holy Spirit actually spoke to them in a refuge of grace. Whenever we have people that are serious about this refuge of grace who are worshipers and fasters, what that does is it opens your ears to be able to hear God so that you walk in obedience. So I'm not gonna pull anybody, and again, I'm not gonna pull anybody else into a basket with me, and I'm not gonna talk about us. I wanna talk about me for just a moment here. There are times that I get so wrapped up in my to-do list, or there are times that I get so wrapped up in my needs and stuff that I think I want and I've tried to figure out how to solve a problem, that I forget the most important thing I can do is worship and fast. to stop. Stop focusing on this stuff. Stop focusing on my to-dos. Stop focusing on the me and start focusing on he and him. And here in Acts chapter 13, the pattern for us, before the gospel starts to go to the ends of the earth, they worship and they fast. How many times have you begged God for an answer, but you didn't get one? Did you spend time worshiping and fasting? Or did we just spend time complaining and begging? Think of the mountains that you face. Think of the obstacles that are in your your life. Think of the troubles that are before you when in a few minutes we walk out these doors. Think of all of those things. How many of those things have you worshiped God for and fasted for? You see, what we've done is we've built a dam in our spiritual life to hold back the answers of prayer. And I believe that God is a good, good father, as the song says. And he will not withhold from us, but he expects us to do our part as well. And whenever we forget to worship and fast, all we focus on are the mountain of obstacles that we face as opposed to focusing on him. And the the promise of Scripture that we have is our God is bigger than any mountain that we face. We sing about it. They made VeggieTales movies about it, so it had to be true, right? God is bigger than the boogeyman. So what boogeymans do you face in your life? And have you worshiped and fasted, or have you focused on those boogeymans? You see, I think the Holy Spirit holds back sometimes from answering. And he's waiting to see, are we serious about our relationship? with? Are we serious about being a refuge of grace? Are we serious about experiencing the presence of God? Or are we just playing games with this religion that we have? God doesn't want to play games. When God speaks, it's power. When God speaks, it's the kingdom. And that's why he came to take back the power that the enemy had stolen from God's people. And that's why it is important for us to spend time worshiping and fasting instead of focusing on the mountains that are in our life. You think, well, is this something that's just fasting and worshiping? Is this something that's new in the scripture? Did they not worship and fast until they got to Acts chapter 13? No, Jesus actually taught about it. You don't have to turn there. I want to encourage you to read it this week. It's Matthew chapter 6. An amazing, famous sermon that Jesus was actually preaching. And there are a few things that I want to point out from Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 2, Jesus said, So when you give to the needy, the expectation here was that we were going to give to the needy so Jesus says, when you give to the needy, do it, and then in verse 5, he says, and when you pray, and then we get to verse 16, 17, and 18, and these are the words of Jesus. When you fast, now the expectation here is that we would be fasting. Fasting is something that goes all the way back to the New Testament, and we can see it play out in Genesis. It was vital in Moses. In fact, one time, or there were three uh, maybe four. There the three or four times that Moses actually fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. We see the pattern of Jesus whenever he was into the wilderness, and he fasted. Fasting is something that goes all the way back almost to the beginning of time. And here Jesus says, when you fast, showing his followers that the expectation was that we would be worshipers and we would also fast. Jesus says, when you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, here's some instructions for us, put oil on your head and wash your face. Now, this is something that they did at that time so that they would look refreshed. You don't have to fast and go get oil, and you don't have to wash your face. What Jesus is actually saying is don't go around proclaiming, hey, I'm fasting, Hey, I'm worshiping, I'm fasting, so therefore it must mean that I am a spiritual being. What Jesus is saying, don't do all of that. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't get people to look at you and then lie and say you're looking at the Father. What Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, 17, and 18 is that we have to be people when we're worshiping and when we're fasting that are not yelling to everybody we're doing that, but we've got to be people spending time in the presence of God, worshiping and fasting. Not focusing on mountains, not proclaiming that we're this great people, but instead just spending time with the Lord. Jesus is saying fasting is the tool that you need. You can go on and read in Matthew chapter 6, in Jesus' sermon here, of why that is important. You can see that as you read throughout this week. And then we see the significance in the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth and how it happened in Acts chapter 13. Fasting just shows that we're dependent upon God. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what these five leaders are saying here in Acts chapter 13. Hey, God, without you, we're nothing. We're going to return to dust someday. All that we've earned, all that we've achieved, all that we've accumulated, none of that's going to matter someday. And so that's why we're dependent upon our Father. And worshiping and fasting proves that we're totally dependent, that we need God's presence to be with us constantly. A reminder from James, which I think is a great great passage, James chapter 4, verse 10, simply says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's a part of fasting, humbling ourselves before the Lord. And then the promise from James is that whenever we humble ourselves, so whenever we enact fasting, which is a way of humbling ourselves, that the Lord is going to lift us up. So I want to encourage you to fast this week. I want to encourage you to take fasting and couple it with worship this week. I think that as we've spent time in here this morning, the Holy Spirit has brought some things to your mind that you focused on. Those mountains, those to-dos, those ups and those downs, those hurdles. The Lord has brought some of those things to your mind that you focused on as opposed to focusing on Him. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to this week spend some time shifting your focus away from those mountains to worshiping and fasting. So, fasting can be giving up food, it can be giving up some other type of pleasure or good gift from our Father. So, figure out what that looks like for you this week. Is it taking an entire day, a 24 hour period, in fasting for that day? Or maybe you're going to fast lunch every day this week or for a couple of days this week. Or maybe you're going to give up the internet and Facebook for a day or two or something like that. Or maybe you're going to step away from some other pleasure. The television, the news, that favorite show that you love. Fast from something. Give up something. And then whenever the urge in the flesh is to eat or whenever the urge in the flesh is to reach for a phone so that you can access the internet or Facebook or whatever that is that you're going for, whenever that need comes up, say to God, I'm going to spend this time worshiping and fasting right now. I'm going to spend this time with you instead of feeding the fleshly need that I have in this moment. Let the stomach growling be an alarm clock to prayer and fasting. Let the need in the flesh to reach out to watch or to consume something be the alarm clock to worshiping and fasting, and then see, and then see what God does in your life. So, a part of my being here for uh, just over two years now... One of the first things I did is really wrestle with the Lord and and spent time worshiping and fasting and asking God, what were you dreaming of when you birthed this church 90 years ago, about 91 years ago? What What were you doing? Why did you want this church to exist here in South Daytona, before South Daytona was a plan. And then over those nine decades, why would you sustain this place? Because it's been God that's done the work. He birthed it and he sustained it despite what he's done through all of us. Why, God, have you done this? And what are your dreams for this place? And so uh, I want to go back and just show you Right fast. What, what we believe those dreams are, one is its unity. That unity has to be modeled here and then it gets modeled in our community. One of the ways that you can do that is participate in our Easter sunrise service where we join together with 10 plus churches in this community. We're not doing it alone anymore. We're joining with this community, modeling the unity that God desires in the body of Christ. The second is the sending out of a thousand leaders. We're gonna come back to that one in just a second. The third is the breaking of And bondage and deliverance. Another way that we can say that is we're taking back what hell has stolen from this community. We're not going to let the kingdom of hell reign anymore. We're going to stand for the kingdom of God and we're going to proclaim it so that those chains are broken. The fourth is we have to be a center for meeting the community's needs, we have to be a powerhouse of worship and a powerhouse of prayer. I'm challenging this you this week to be a powerhouse of worship and to be a powerhouse of prayer. But I want to come back to number two, the sending out of a thousand leaders. Now, this is not we get to a thousand. I've, I've said it countless times in here. We don't get to a thousand and we stop and say, hey, we've reached that one. This is symbolic. And for those of you that have been here for some time, I want you to think about at the literally hundreds and hundreds of leaders over 90 plus years that this place has raised up and is actually sent out into the ministry in whatever whatever area of that ministry, not just pastoral ministry or worship ministry, but it can also be in the, uh, a ministry of being a doctor. It can be a ministry of being a teacher. It can be so many different ways that we go out into the ministry. This place has done an amazing job and has raised up hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of leaders to go out and serve the Lord with the giftedness and the design that God has for them. So we applaud you. We applaud this place and the work that God has done in this place. But that dream is not yet fulfilled. That is still a mission for us here today. This is still a part of what God has dreamed for us. And so if we take a look here at Acts chapter 13, you see five key people That really has a lineage, a genealogy, and some very, very important positions that now they're leaders of the church. You know what they were doing here in Acts chapter 13? In worshiping and praying, that led to the fulfillment of the dream that God had of the sending out of Paul and Barnabas. The sending out of these leaders. And you know what we have to go back and we have to reclaim? We have to reclaim this dream of sending God's dream, not our dream. We didn't make it up. God has done this through this ministry. We got to go back and reclaim this dream of the sending out of countless leaders into this world to be a light for Jesus Christ. And isn't it amazing that God would have in his infinite wisdom and plans for a place like this to raise up a preschool through 12th grade school that plays a vital role of raising up these leaders to go out into the world, to be who God designed them to be and called them to be. But you know how we get there? When those of us inside these walls worship and fast. That's what they were doing in Acts chapter 13 here. And then it could have caused panic whenever Barnabas and Saul, Paul, were the ones the Holy Spirit chose to actually be sent out. And could you think of what was happening here? They went from five leaders, they lost 40%, 40% of those five key people just because the Holy Spirit spoke. It didn't cause panic, it caused celebration. You see, what we have to do is we have to make sure that we are worshiping and fasting. We're not seeking this, that, or the other. We're only seeking the presence and voice of God in these moments of worshiping and fasting so that his dreams for this refuge of grace will be accomplished. And when we get selfish and we start licking our own wounds, we've missed the mark of worshiping and fasting. I believe that the Lord's going to send people here that as we worship and pray will be sent out to do great things for the kingdom. We're not going to hoard everybody up so that we can hit some great number and say, hey, look at all these amazing people. No, I believe that God is raising up people here in this ministry that are going to be sent out to make an impact for the kingdom that would never be made had they stayed here with us. That's what's happened in the past nine decades of this ministry. And you know what? It started here. It started here with a lady that was worshiping and fasting in the same way that they were worshiping and fasting in Acts chapter 13. So what I'm asking you to do is just take the tool that God has given to you of worshiping and fasting. To begin focusing on him. I hope and pray that this week. As we spend time worshiping and fasting with him. That this is the week. That some of our spiritual dams will break. And the voice of God speaks to us afresh and anew. But this is what I know. God's waiting on us. God is waiting on us. And so I just have one question. One question for you. Will you join me in worshiping and fasting? Would you join me in worshiping and fasting? For the sake of this refuge of grace. For the sake of our walks with Christ. For the sake of those in this community and around the world That do not know him. For the sake of God's dreams for us. In this refuge of grace. Would you join me. In worshiping. And fasting. So we're going to close. The service this morning as we always do. Our worship team is going to come up. And we want to give you a few moments. To make a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you've never. Spent time fasting. Fasting. Maybe you've never really sacrificed anything for a spiritual purpose. I want to ask you to make that commitment now. First, though, if you've never made a commitment to the Lord and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step that you have to take. And so this has to be a moment. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this has to be the moment that you make that commitment first. When you repent Take him as your Savior and your Lord. And then you can begin the journey of worshiping
0: and fasting. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.